Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. In a news landscape gone mad, the people cried out for a hero. Forged in the heat of satire, this is The Gargle, a refreshing earful of news that's gone through the fires of the modern-day news cycle and emerged naked of politics, clad only in jokes. Where the glossy magazine to the Bugle's audio newspaper for visual world, welcome to The Gargle. Your guests today are the man who consistently insists he's not related to the one in the pear tree, Benjamin Partridge. Welcome to the show. Hi. And the other man who also has the last name that's a type of animal. What are they hiding with these Kaiser Soze names? Richard Herring. Hello, how are you doing? I'm very well. Good. We're going to go through the magazine together, but before we open the magazine, let's have a look at the front cover. The cover model is Elon Musk's pong-playing monkey posing in a stylish summer suit while glamorously spilling a bottle of water and laughing into the camera. The quote is, Summer style tips, I'm still incapable of consent. Other headers on the front page include pre-post-pandemic workout trends, tone up as you bone up on what the World Health Organization considered safe these days. Subheadline, watch the squashed sausage of scientific consensus get made while losing faith in your judgment. And actors, do we need them anymore? Tom Cruise says yes, but he would. (laughs) Inside the magazine, top yacht holidays for gun nuts when you can't escape the consequences of your actions on land. Uh, The satirical cartoon this week is a picture of a vaccine with a condom on it looking saucy, saying, stay safe. And the less controversial satirical cartoon is a priest, a rabbi and a feminist walking into a bar. And the priest's speech bubble says... I'm not sure that focusing on identitarian differences at the cost of social unity is a good strategy for the long-term health of society. And the rabbi says, but it's important to accept and acknowledge social imbalances and the ways in which they disproportionately impact vulnerable groups. So we need to strike a balance between giving valence to our underlying capacity to understand one another while honouring our differences in a way that cultivates strength and community rather than weaponized victimhood. And the feminist is saying, why did you assume I was a woman? <laughs> Now it's time for our first segment, our at-home section. This is a house raffle. Uh, Benjamin Partridge, have you been following this story? I have. So um, this is a a couple who 
instead of selling their home in the, in the conventional way, have decided to go down the route of the only gambling you can do at church, a raffle. Love a raffle. <laughs> um, it's the only raffle prize that comes with a binding and ongoing council tax bill. The couple have lived there for 13 years. They've got two children, um, Morgan, 15, and Tyler, 13, who will be one as part of a tombola they'll be setting up outside the, uh, the property. <laughs> What I liked about the news coverage of this, it was quite hysterical. What what it didn't cover was what the third, fourth, second and fifth prizes are. Uh, I did a bit of research. Second place is a working post office. Uh, third is a selection of chutneys. Fourth is a lovely meat hamper from a local butcher. And fifth is a fully operational Chinese aircraft carrier. So it's all it's all to play for. It's only £10. The house is worth £190,000 and they stand to make £400,000. So everyone's a winner. Yes, they're only selling the house if they get 40,000 tickets sold wow. um, and the winner gets the house. Otherwise, uh, the winner gets 75% of the proceeds of the raffle. Uh, so everyone's a winner except for everyone who paid £10 and got f***ing nothing but the satisfaction that they kick-started someone else's new home. But that's how raffles work, right? Also how taxes work, except in the tax raffle, the winner is never schools and hospitals, which is uh, weird. Bad luck again, schools and hospitals. Is this political? Uh, we're not meant to do politics on this show, but I guess it depends on whether you think schools and hospitals are political. And I, I'd argue that politicising resources for children and sick people would be a f***ing insane position to take. So it can't be politics. Uh, Richard, have you been following this story? I did see this. It's happened a few times. I've noticed this a few times. Uh, people have done this for varying properties and varying prices. £10 is a pretty sweet deal. I mean, you know, you're not necessarily... It's te- it's terrible that the only way onto the property ladder for most normal people is to risk £10 in the hope that you win a house in... Is it in Bolton? It's, it's not... It's not the most attractive <laughs> It's not. I mean, prospect. no offence to the people of Bolton, but, you know, it, it's, it's weird to have to win a house in a specific place unless you live there. Obviously, you could sell it. I would suggest they're probably having difficulty selling it. I had difficulty selling my house in London, uh, and I, this did cross my mind, the idea of doing some kind of raffle but i think that the i think that there's a lot of legal stuff you have to go through and there's a lot of problems with it and i know some people who've done it have ended up falling into trouble because you know obviously it's well, sort of gambling Richard, i don't want to interrupt you or correct you but it is stoke so that changes oh, the whole stoke. picture ah. it's even worse i i would <laughs> i i would like to apologize to people bolton for thinking they were as bad as stoke on trent which is literally one of the worst places in the world uh, i say that as a as a tourist, it's not as bad as Middlesbrough, where my family are from, though. So I, I think we can. I think I'm allowed to take the piss out of terrible British towns. I mean, comedically speaking, what you're doing there is situating yourself at the bottom of the heap, so everywhere yes. else is punching up, right? <laughs> I'm, punch, I'm punching up from my lovely Hertfordshire home that I actually live in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's obviously everyone can't do it. it. It works if a few people do it, and a few charities do do this as well. I've seen charity things online, but also some, you know, it's. I don't see a problem with them making money out of it. I mean, that's the nice thing about it. You could, if it goes well, you know, you, you, and especially with a property that's that cheap, that's the nice thing about the north of England compared to the south is that uh, properties are pretty cheap. It's not, a, it's not a terrible house. £190,000. It's got a built-in fish tank. That's not so bad, is it? You know. I, I did see Jimmy Carr's house on in a Hello magazine thing as I was looking for my own topical show i don't usually use hello read hello magazine and his house is worth 8.5 million pounds uh and has <laughs> and it's in uh, uh a nice uh pim- it's up by the uh, uh what's that nice part of london called uh it's up by london zoo that sort of regent's park area uh, it's very nice uh but uh i don't think he'll have to raffle 
to sell it. I think he'll manage to sell it if he needs to. Well, I feel like his meta-commentary on uh, the housing market, a raffle to buy a house, is uh, quite a good way to do it because it draws attention to the the incredible amount of luck that plays into most people's entry into the property ladder. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think for 10 quid, it's sort of, that's that's fine. if you can get, It's whether you can get 40, is it 40,000 people need to do it to make that work? Is that, yeah, because you're saying they want to make 400,000 pounds. So that's quite a lot of people. I would have said, hey, maybe go for a bit more money and a bit fewer tickets, but um, uh, for, <laughs> for the chance to do it. But uh, good luck. I'd say good luck to them, but if everyone starts doing it, then everyone's just paying for houses and not getting a house. (laughs) (laughs) In other at-home news, soapy porn news. This is my favourite kind of story. It's in the Metro, which means you know it's impeccable journalism covering a story so subtle and nuanced it doesn't exist. This is the story of a man who isn't an actor on a soap I don't watch and who isn't going to do pornography. Uh, Ex-Emmerdale actor Mike Parr has (laughs) joked that he's thinking about accepting an invitation to do pornography but he probably won't do it Uh, benjamin partridge have you got skin in the game on this um well i'm not a porn actor but i have been not yet not yet exactly (laughs) um i think this is a dare to dream (laughs) this is a pandemic story really because this story tells us why britain needs pantomimes (laughs) Uh, pantomimes didn't happen this year and that's usually the kind of safe you know uh ramp off the soap, you know, the f- former soap actor goes into the pantomime world and manages to get by. Once those pantomimes are shut, um, you know, it's all bets are off. I'm sure if we scratched the surface, looked at what other soap actors or former soap actors have been doing this year, we'll be, we'd be finding, you know, porn, uh, professional wrestling, illegal boxing, snuff movies. You know, it's all... Without that safety net of pantomimes, the lot of the former soap actor is a, is a grim world. Well, I watch uh, mainstream pornography like I watch Panto. He's behind you. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I think mainstream pornography is only very good for people who are very aroused by very bad acting. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't look like she's enjoying herself at all, but she says she is. It said in the coverage that uh, his character left Coronation Street after what is described as an acid attack and a traumatic hostage storyline. And I just hope that the porn (laughs) film doesn't pick up where that storyline left off. <laughs> I kind of hope it does. Uh, but, you know, that's what the beautiful thing about pornography. There's something for everyone out there. <laughs> However weird you thought you were, the internet will prove. Of all the jobs you could choose to do during uh, a pandemic, I think porn actor is probably the wrong direction to move into, isn't it? <laughs> I'll go from being an actor to one who's completely intimate and exchanging fluids and generally not. It's terrible. They generally don't wear condoms. And I find that is that right, Richard? It, 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 put, it puts me off. I just think, well, how that lady could get pregnant and think of the diseases. <laughs> I can't enjoy this. I'm too worried about their future lives. So, yeah, that's it. I mean, but I think like lockdown has led. I mean, I, I've had so many um, emails from those companies that do. Um, it's sort of like pornography where they ask, you know, faded celebrities to do birthday messages for people. And they pay 50 <laughs> quid. <laughs> uh, and it's sort of and you have to think well well is am i am i that desperate for money that i will spend my day <laughs> doing little video messages <laughs> for people uh, and so far i've i've said no but i have been asked a lot so i understand the temptations to move into slightly degrading what would make you feel work. dirtier <laughs> uh, a full pornographic sex film or saying happy birthday to someone's mum 
<laughs> well, you see, I'm happy to say happy birthday. I shouldn't say this because I, I always, if someone emails me and says, will you do a video to say happy birthday to someone? I go, yeah, of course I will. But, um, and I usually ask for a little charity donation. But, um, but yeah, to do it, it just sort of feel, it just, I mean, you know, maybe it'll happen. I'm not going to discount it. I think, I mean, being in a porn industry would be interesting. I don't think I would be, um, you know, as you don't have to be attractive as a man. That's the that's the good thing. But what you have to be is capable at, at any moment <laughs> uh, and ready to go. And I'm 53 years old, and I need a little bit of written warning from my my wife. Sends me a note a couple of days, beforehand, <laughs> and I'm spending a couple of days just working things up to the boil, and then I'm ready. So I think uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure porn is the is the best avenue for me. But you know, occasionally they have old blokes on there, don't they? So I'll, I'll give it a. I'm open to offers. I'm open to offers, both for the birthday thing and, uh, and you know, spunking on people for money. What if someone wanted you to crack a boner for their birthday? <laughs> well, but that's what, isn't that basically what the the OnlyFans thing, is that what it is? I don't, I, I tried to set, I tried to set, I do a ventriloquist dummy act now. And as a joke, I've got a female 129 year old ventriloquist dummy. And as a joke, I tried to set up a, an OnlyFans account for her. Uh, and that I was going to let her show her ankle to people and stuff, uh, and uh, they wouldn't accept me. Uh, they said they wouldn't allow. Me. I don't know whether it's because the picture of the doll didn't match my driving license, but uh, <laughs> so I feel that that was that was quite a judgment. So I think you can do that on OnlyFans if you wish. Again, I think the number of offers I would, uh, I, I would, you know, it's it's the Groucho Marx thing, isn't it? Who would want to be a member of the of the club that would <laughs> that would want to see Richard Herring and his member and his and his slightly depleted genitalia who would want to see that (laughs) (laughs) your ad section now because you can't be what you can't buy don't believe in violence but desperately need to crack a creep in the nuts introducing the groin knee 5000 basically a Roomba with a jack in the boxing glove on top the groin knee 5000 uses decommissioned Russian military hardware to identify threatening nads in your quadrant and (laughs) position the device directly beneath them for a hard upward strike at a velocity of up to 1000 kilometers per hour you can calibrate the strength from warning tap to homosocial bonding to punch this kid's balls into space the groin knee 5000 you'll never need to groin again <laughs> are you worried that your algorithm is too accurately reflecting you back at yourself try algopop the enslaved physicist who watches smart shit so you don't have to while you're asleep look at all your suggested videos in your youtube algorithm they'll make you feel like the computer thinks you're smart and not so long ago in a galaxy much like our own romance maven and online bestseller Dancy Lagarde has spent 20 years reaching the pinnacle of fame in the writing of historical romance thrillers with a supernatural twist now thanks to our friends at the last post this dimension finally has access to some of Dancy's finest words in the Lagarde complete classics line coming soon to penguin publishing sorry coming soon to a publishing house run by horny penguins <laughs> 
This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Science section, subatomic news now. Richard Herring, you look deeply into the small things in the world. What's what's this news story all about? Oh, yeah. Ask me to explain this one. Thanks, Alice. I, I could have done the one about the Emmerdale guy who doesn't want to be a porn actor. Well, there's a new thing called a muon that uh, might be a fifth subatomic. Uh, there's five element, four elements at the moment that make up the subatomic world. Don't ask me what they are. One of them's a, a lazy atomic one. One's a strong one. One's uh, uh, humours. No, I don't know what they are. Uh, but there's, a, <laughs> there's potentially a fifth. That, physics is all wrong, basically. Einstein f***ed it up. He missed a very important, very tiny thing called a muon, which possibly affects... Uh, they've been in this big lab that looks... It's called the Fermi National Accelerator Lab, and it looks like uh, the lair from a... James Bond villain, or quite like, I don't know if you watch the Teen Titans, I do because my kids like it. It looks like quite like the Teen <laughs> Titans headquarters, which is the shape of a big T. It's the most sinister looking place. They've got some big collider there uh, and they've discovered that possibly the muon does not obey the rules of physics. Though I sort of think, you know, I'm not an expert on maths and physics, but I sort of feel the fact that infinity, that we as human beings, we can't get our heads around infinity because how can something go on forever, but how can something stop? We can't picture it, and that's such a big part of maths. There must be an answer. It either goes on forever or it doesn't, and we can't picture that, and all our maths is based on that. So I think just for that reason, maths is all wrong, which means physics is all wrong, so I think we should all start again. But I'm not an expert. Well, until I started reporting on this story, I thought Muon was one of the Pokemons. So uh, <laughs> it's very confronting to me that there are the physicists working in the Fermi National Accelerator lab which is FNAL I guess it is abbreviates to FNAL which is not <laughs> a good if you can't figure out a good acronym then you shouldn't you shouldn't be allowed atoms that's their job is it the atomic national accelerator lab that would be it then it would be anal that's all they need to do yeah way better uh, but there they are um <laughs> doing the pokemon of particle physics trying to collect them all and uh it's quite intimidating to me Benjamin do you understand this I'm not sure. It's about muons, as you say. They were described as fat electrons, which I thought, great, <laughs> now even sub subatomic particles are being body shamed. <laughs> it's being described as a potential new force of nature, which will sit alongside the existing forces of nature, gravity, friction, sunshine, birdsong, and the sheer vocal power of Cher. <laughs> <laughs> what I read was that it's more dramatic. I think they knew about muons, but they didn't know they were affected by an invisible force. Right. They're quite sensitive, the muon an artistic temperament on the subatomic level. Well, they're being called fat electrons, which won't help. But um, True. <laughs> <laughs> it's about dark matter, isn't it? Which is something like a quarter of the universe is made up of dark matter and no one quite knows what that is. I think what it is is, you know, when you, when you leave a room shut for a few days, maybe you go away for the weekend, you go away for a whole day and you come back and then you open the door and the room smells a bit kind of fusty and nasty and you have to open the window. Uh, I think that's dark matter. Previously, we thought that was insect farts. Um <laughs> But it turns out that that's what this is. Yeah, I don't understand it. I, all I know is that it, it's further it's further devaluing my physics GCSE, which I did in the year 2000. It's now even further, <laughs> even more useless than it was before. 
that's the thing about science isn't it it's that thing of everyone thinks they know it and then something will come along which will teach us that we know nothing at all and it's just it's god isn't it it's god's little way of he's stringing us along he's going oh you've worked it out have you you've worked it out oh here you go here's a new thing and that's the next hundred years now so he's going to keep doing that (laughs) bastard well my favorite piece from this article is that most physicists believe a rich trove of new physics waits to be found if only they could see further and deeper which sounds sort of very ambitious and inspiring but in fact means that if we could learn more we would know more (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah apparently it's more dramatic than the discovery of the higgs boson which was in 2012 but since then the world has just got steadily worse so i'm not sure that finding it was for me, it's one of the worst bosons. I'm going there. But this is also the thing about particle physics. They say it's more exciting than the discovery of the Higgs boson, but because lay people know nothing about particle <laughs> physics, things are only exciting as you tell us they are. They're not exactly. actually in any way exciting because we don't know how to frame them up. Well, they tried to quantify it, didn't they? Because they tried to say, this is our landing on the moon or this is our landing on Mars to try and give it an equivalent of something that we would be excited by. But you can't just tell us it's that. We get excited about things landing on the moon because we can see it happening. And it's the moon which we can see and we understand. What if we're all just part of an electron, though, and like the, the solar system's uh, part of a cell and then we're all part of something else? Have you thought about that science? Oh. No. Come back, come back when you've thought of that. So, you know, <laughs> so I've got a lot of scientific theories that I think... You know, and also, I think we probably will never... Understand, you know, it's the under. We're trying to understand the mechanics of something, but we don't know why it's here. If you kind of put an ant on a hand of a clock, it might eventually work out the mechanics of what was going on, but it would not be able to understand what a clock was for, would it? It would. It would the idea <laughs> of time makes no sense to an ant, even if it could understand everything. So we can understand why everything works, but maybe we'll never understand what it's there for or who put it here and 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 why it's putting us through all this crap. Why couldn't it have made it nicer for us if it's all been designed by someone? Well, in other science news, US universities have called for clearer rules on science espionage uh, amid a crackdown on China that's making people worried both about spying and about racism. Richard Herring, you've been to a university once. (laughs) Tell us more. I went there and I mainly did comedy. Well, it's sort of, yeah, I mean, it's sort of this weird thing where espionage meets political correctness gone mad, isn't it? Because you're saying (laughs) we can't can't be prejudiced against uh, other uh, races and, and countries but like if they're trying to steal our stuff you have to you have to espionage can't be like oh well we're going to treat everyone equal no matter where they're from uh, we're not going to look in try and look into their secrets if they're trying to look into ours we're not going to do anything about it so yeah it's it seems like uh, a bit of a, an odd one really i don't uh, i don't quite get what's going on here but they can't really they can't be polit- they can't they can't be non They've, isn't it espionage's job to be racist? Isn't that basically what it is? So that yeah. we only need a few racists to keep things running. A lot, a lot of profiling in, in espionage. <laughs> yeah, there is. So, you know, with it, I think it's... I mean, it is... Being a spy is kind of ultra-patriotism, isn't it? Maybe all those guys who go down to Trafalgar Square with Union Jacks, maybe we should get them into spying because they really love their country above all else. So, uh, But I think they have to favour themselves, don't they? I think they, they have to stop people stealing <laughs> scientific secrets for our safety. Benjamin Partridge, you've done a physics PhD. Have... How do you protect your research from <laughs> Chinese people? <laughs> yes. So this story, I, d- I don't fully understand. It's basically that... In the US, they're now, if you sort of look a bit Chinese, they, w- they won't let you near a university in case you <laughs> steal some research. Is that what it is? 
So more or less that, that, that uh, I mean, this is obviously a concern for Australia because we are in the backyard of, of the Chinese superpower and we have a huge proportion of international students, obviously not now during the pandemic, but we have a huge proportion of international students in our universities who pay for most of our universities. So it's an incredibly necessary thing to have Chinese students in our universities. But if we were doing any sensitive research, then we would have to <laughs> confront the fact that um, if there's a hostile superpower trying to steal our stuff... And they're also paying for all our stuff. Uh, that becomes an issue. Yeah. And we solve it in Australia by being racist. <laughs> racism is always the answer. That's what I've re- learned from this story. Racism, <laughs> racism, racism. I am now a racist. This is great. I'll get. I'll get back on TV. I can run for Le- London Mayor. <laughs> I've made a very important decision. It's one of these areas of of, of policy that are you know, super niche until they become political. And obviously at the moment there's a wave of anti-Asian mm. violence and awareness of that violence sweeping through the US. So all of a sudden it's become a, a very sensitive topic, which I assume the Chinese spies will take full advantage of. <laughs> the way it was presented in the newspaper article that I read was saying that this was a Trump-era measure. So it kind of been cooked up by the Trump administration, but it was only now coming into force. And it, it's like... It's that kind of terrifying that even though Trump is gone, there might be all these other measures that have still yet to come in that is still in the pipeline. Like we're currently in that kind of <laughs> eye of the storm period where you farted, but you haven't yet been hit by the wave of of smell. It's it's that kind of that little second just before it all hits. So it's kind of it's horrifying to think that all this stuff that Trump might have put in place is still going to come to fruition just because it hasn't done so yet. Well, it seems like they're a lot. They're doing a lot of just leaving what he's done it's like oh did he do that oh oh what it well we'll we'll leave that in there so it seems like they're quite happy that he did quite a few of these things because they're basically just picking up the baton and running with most of them and occasionally go, oh no that was that was bad when people stormed the capital wasn't it? we're getting a bit political aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> not political not political <laughs> Uh, Now it's time for reviews. Our review section every week, our guests bring in a number of things that they have reviewed. Uh, Benjamin Partridge, what is good or bad? And out of five, how much is it good or bad? Uh, This week, I'm going to be reviewing towels. (laughs) It's little known that the towel was invented in China in the 6th century, at the same time as fireworks and TikTok. But inventions (laughs) have traditionally taken time to reach the West, and towels didn't become popular in Europe until the mid-1920s. Uh, before which everyone was slightly damp nearly all of the time. Uh, Before this period, British people would try to dry themselves off with clumps of moss, often just making themselves more damp. In fact, the average Briton supported a thriving ecosystem of newts, tadpoles and microtoads which lived in the damp folds of our skin. This meant that the average person going about their lives would be attacked by a heron on an almost daily basis. The introduction of the towel destroyed this important national habitat. Uh, and soon we became hopelessly addicted to being dry and unbothered by the pincer-like beaks of herons. <laughs> the resulting towel craze led to World War II, which began when Hitler found out that a large shipment of heavy-weft Egyptian cotton luxury bath sheets had arrived in the port of Gdansk, whereas he was still using a scratchy old one that Eva Braun had washed with his brown <laughs> shirts by mistake. In the modern era, there are two main towel acquisition routes. Towels can be bought were, of course, stolen from hotels. In fact, the global economy is calibrated in such a way that it balances finely on a delicate equilibrium that is determined by the number of hotel towels in circulation at any one time. If too many towels are stolen, or if too many towels go unstolen, the dollar, euro, yuan and pound would all crash. 
The effect of this would be that towels would become entirely unaffordable. This is an economic scenario known as the heron's revenge. And with the dollar, yuan and pound all pegged to the number of towels in circulation, it's an important part of the world economy. So using a towel today connects you to the tumultuous history of the 20th century and also promotes international economic harmony. So why not use a towel today? Three out of five. <laughs> Reads like a four. Richard Herring, uh, what have you been reviewing? Well, I've been reviewing uh, not drinking alcohol. This is my 99th consecutive day without drinking alcohol. Uh, I started the year, that's January the 1st onwards. So I've done dry January, dry February, dry March and a bit of dry April. I think I might stop for good. Though I have to say at the beginning of the year, I had two testicles and now I don't. So I've only got one. (laughs) And I think that might be connected. I thought it would be a healthy thing, but I stopped drinking. And then the doctor said I had to have a testicle taken off uh, and they may not be connected. So that's my slight worry about that. It's not probably not so bad for women, that particular side effect. Uh, (laughs) But they might add what I don't know if I've still got more than the average number of testicles. So I'm not I'm not I don't want to look like I'm complaining. Okay, there's there's on average, there's slightly one one less than one (laughs) testicle per person. And I've got one. So I I don't want to look greedy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think not drinking has been quite good. I've lost no weight. I thought I'd lose weight. I don't feel any healthier. Um, but, uh, I am probably getting slightly more done in my life. So on balance, given the, 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 my genitals are a third smaller, uh, I will give it three out of five. (laughs) Very moderate opinions in this week's review section. Now we're on to section three. Bang, 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 bang news. This is the news out of the US that after school shootings, uh, a number of times Wayne LaPierre, who is the head of the NRA, tends to retreat to his yacht for safety (laughs) because consequences can't follow you onto water. Benjamin, how do you feel about this yacht situation? What no one's picked up on is the reason that he goes to this yacht is so they can sail out into international waters where... He's then allowed to wield the Mega Kill 5000, which is nine AR-15s welded <laughs> together, connected to a rocket launcher. So he's, he's safe out in international waters, able to do this. I mean, they do say, don't they, that the only way to stop a bad person without a gun is a good person with a 105-foot Mega Yacht. So I feel, I feel for the man. Yeah, it's, um, it's ironic. You know, he feels his life is in threat from the anti-gun lobby, which, you know, I don't know how he imagines they're going to kill him, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty pathetic. He, he, every time there's a big shooting, he's worried that because of the kind of uh, opprobium that comes his way, that, he, that his life is in danger. And uh, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> he's almost got it, hasn't he? That's the, he's, I'm scared yeah, exactly. of all these guns. <laughs> uh, but the answer is more guns. The answer is give them more, more guns and it'll be fine. <laughs> there should be a National Yacht Association that's trying to get everyone, if they can get an amendment in the Constitution, <laughs> the right to own a yacht, and then all these guys will be buying up yachts. Every time they're shooting, everyone goes in a yacht. It'll be fine. We just, you know, flood America. It'll be fine. Not to wealth shame the uh, runner of a now bankrupt organisation, but uh, he borrows the yacht. This is, I think, my favourite part of the whole story is that it's not even his yacht. He flees to <laughs> someone else's yacht and uh, I guess hides quiveringly from the entirely foreseeable outcome of the thing that he's spent years and years lobbying for. It's not just a yacht, though. It comes with a chef. So who is actually Steven Seagal? What if the chef's got a gun? That's it. You know? <laughs> That's, he goes down there. 
Or just put some poison in his food. You know, there are other ways to die if you want to get people or throw them overboard. You can just fall off a yacht. I mean, a yacht is a yeah. fairly risky place to spend your time, isn't it? It is, I think so. Not as risky as in front of someone shooting a gun, though. So, no, that's true. You know, he's not stupid. <laughs> he's not an idiot. Yeah, I've seen Jaws. As Alice said, I think we're only finding this out because the NRA is going bankrupt. So all of their kind of affairs are now in the public realm, which is always fun. And um, part of the bankruptcy sort of trial thing, they found out that the NRA had spent loads of money... He'd claimed loads of money for mosquito control treatments at his home, which he described as a, as a security issue. Uh, I assume after finding out that trying to stop mosquitoes with an AR-15 assault rifle is counterproductive. Well, that's all the time we have for our bang, 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 bang section, because now it's time for our tech section. Our tech section is things are heating up for a red hot startup summer, according to the entrepreneurs who like saying that kind of shit because they don't know what's cool, but they think they do. Richard Herring, you're on the cutting edge of technology. Yeah, that's true. How hot do you think this startup <laughs> summer is going to be? Well, it's interesting that, um, you know, the, this article talks about uh, the survival of the fittest, of course, isn't about who's the strongest or the best. It's who's the most adaptable and... The, the companies that have done well in lockdown are the ones that have adapted to the situation and managed to turn it to their advantage. So there, I think there is, you know, and I think, you know, you and I as uh, podcasters have found that we've adapted <laughs> well to the situation better than a lot of comedians would have done. So it is this sort of odd situation where for some people a terrible event, <laughs> usually for comedians, a terrible event is a good thing. It's been quite bad for most comedians as most of them have been enough to work. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it sort of just feels that, that again. It's a it's a little bit like the house thing, isn't it? If there's a, a nasty taste in your mouth when you think, oh, some people are. Well, look, we're looking at the benefits of this. We're going to come out of this with what we've learned and and create a new world. But that's, I suppose, that's just how the world works, isn't it? The the fire burns down the forest and then the new shoots grow up. So it's just <laughs> the inevitable progress of greed and money making will create these new startups, some of which will work. It would be nice, I think, if all the people who had a good year in 2020 to 21 had to pay a bit of extra tax to pay for all the people who didn't. Uh, but no one seems to be suggesting that for some reason. It's sort of weird if people have... I mean, I'd be happy to do it. I'd probably... Sorry, Richard. I, th I thought that Mao had started speaking then. <laughs> I thought... I think I probably had a better year last year than I would have done if it hadn't been for the coronavirus. So hooray for the virus. It was worth... The, it was... Let's look at it this way. It was worth the death and illness that I got maybe a few... I probably got two or 3,000 more listeners to my podcast. And, you know, that, <laughs> that, translates, that translates into tens of pounds. I could buy a house in Stoke for that. <laughs> Benjamin Partridge, uh, what are your bets for the red-hot startups for this summer? Well, it's based on pent-up demand, apparently, isn't it? The idea that, you know... I've not eaten a pret sandwich since early 2020. So as soon as the pandemic's over, I'm going to eat 250 cheese and ham baguettes in one go. Um, I'm not sure how true that will be. You know, it's all about pivoting, isn't it? So, you know, if you're a company that makes fountain pens that connect to the internet or whatever nonsense that startups are doing, you have to find something that would be good now. So maybe a kind of rubber bust of Matt Hancock that you can just scream at and kick. <laughs> Maybe that's that's a political uh, answer. That's I know. political. Um, okay, <laughs> well, another let's, one. Let's change it to Matt, from Matt Hancock to um, John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> Big rubbery John Travolta, you can take out all of your frustrations on. That's my startup. If you're a venture capitalist listening, I only need a hundred million pounds. If Deborah Meaden's listening, Richard Herring, you're going to use your extra tens of pounds to invest in a startup for the red hot startup summer. What would it be? Oh. 
Um, that's a very good question. I think um, I think some kind of uh, condom-based business because uh, I'm hoping. I mean, I'm going to be watching from the sidelines very much as I would be with the Emmerdale guy. Um, I'm hoping 2021 is going to be a, a f- fest uh, of everyone getting out and having sex with each other. So I think there's going to be a lot of more d- desire for condoms than are currently available. Maybe there's some kind of digital condom we can create that you can just press a button on your phone and there's a, a electronic barrier maybe using muon particles of some <laughs> i don't know if sperm sperm can't get past muon particles they're tiny there's no holes in those things i've sort of want to have children in my lifetime but i realize that that's a very bad thing for the environment because of overpopulation so uh my goal is to discourage as many people from breeding as possible okay uh, by spreading stories about how bad it is to have children, <laughs> saying real boner killer things, running up to teenagers who look like they're in love and saying he's not worth it, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, That's my project for the summer and I think that's my startup. Well, we're in direct competition. We're in direct competition with each other, Alice, in our businesses. It's going to be a war. We are in very much direct competition, but that's the thing. If we both go under the same uh, operating umbrella, then it'll be like how Coca-Cola sells Coca-Cola and Mount Franklin water. It sells the alternative to its own product. That's true. Yes, please. Actually, if my digital condoms work, it will help you. So maybe that, but I I have a feeling they won't work. I have a feeling I'll make a lot of money very quickly and then have to slope off when people go, hold on, this condom, (laughs) pressing a button on the phone did not work. I have children, so I'll have to escape with my, my billions of pounds I'll have made. I mean, it doesn't always need to be attack ads. It doesn't all need to be like, don't have sex. It could just be like upselling fingering, you know. (laughs) In more tech news, a tech bro has been sentenced to 12 years in prison, not for being a cockhead, uh, but for trying to buy a chemical weapon to poison his ex. Uh, Classic tech bro behavior. Uh, Benjamin, have you been following this story? I have. This is more classic snowflake behavior. Yet again, from the woke USA, you can't even attempt to buy a chemical weapon that could kill 300 people without the woke police, well, actually the real police, <laughs> arresting you and sending you to jail for 12 years. Yeah, this is a guy who tried to buy a chemical weapon that can kill 300 people. He paid the equivalent of $150. So that's 50 cents a murder. So, I mean, apart from doing it with your bare hands, that's a very cost-effective method. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just saying... That's cheap. Bang for your buck. Bang for your buck, wise. That's a great way of going about it. Well, they say every year the amount of intelligence you need to destroy the whole world goes down by one IQ point. (laughs) So that's good. (laughs) I think about that sometimes late at night. (laughs) He bought it with um, Bitcoins. And I think this is part of the problem, really, which is that Bitcoin is a very big and successful currency, as we know. But you can't actually really spend it on anything apart from chemical weapons or like a rocket launcher on the dark web so the, the sooner that you can pay for things in tesco with bitcoin the, the fewer chemical weapons attacks there will be i think yes at the moment it is the currency for terrible people who want to do terrible things <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> well also you know the people who invested in bitcoin early took a chance on that and as yet untested technology and still as yet in many ways unproven technology uh, and now have millions and millions and millions of dollars uh, in cryptocurrency that they're waiting to spend. Uh, I feel like there was no more evidence for Bitcoin than there was for any other f***ing crazy thing. And all of these people have won the lottery, but they are still idiots. Yeah. But now they're just idiots with a lot of money. And I'm not sure how that's going to affect uh, the economy other than the creation of NFTs. 
Richard Herring, are you going to use uh, your absent testicle as a non-fungible token <laughs> coin it on the web? I, I, I could try. I don't really understand what any of that, this stuff is. I wish I... I, I remember listening to about... Uh, this this stuff on on the radio about seven or eight years ago when it felt like it was you know it hit a peak and I wish I'd just bought loads then because it's gone way up hasn't it I think what's interesting about this guy he was buying this to kill uh, one person which was just his ex was it his, uh, just a, his ex partner just his ex yeah so I mean it's a horror it's a horrible story of revenge it's also a compliment to her really because I mean. <laughs> I feel like I'm the only person in this room who can say this, but women aren't that hard to kill. So <laughs> he's gone in with the big guns. Yeah. So, I mean, the revenge, I found people who are driven, like a lot of comedians are driven by revenge. Not many of them kill people, although I'm, I'm not guaranteeing <laughs> none of them have. It's a good job if you want to be a serial killer because uh, you move from place to place. No one's going to suspect you. But um, <laughs> people who are driven by revenge and lots of comedians become comedians because they want to show people at school, you know, look at me now, that kind of thing. But they never... They never think they've done anything wrong personally. They never remember any of the bad things that have happened that they've done. And they never remember any of the good things that the people they're taking revenge on it's, uh, have done to them either. So it's a very focused in thing, which is sort of, I suppose, all of these these horrible uh, men usually who behave in this manner prove this. But it's this horrible kind of looking at the world from just your own perspective. And then and he had all these plans that he had of awful ways he was going to kill a woman who just didn't fancy him anymore. I mean, it makes Piers Morgan look almost charming in his <laughs> campaign against Meghan Markle. At least he hasn't tried to poison her or he was going to put her in a, underwater in a, in a, you know, with an oxygen tank and just wait for the oxygen to run out. That was one of his ideas, which I, I hate to give that idea to Piers Morgan because I think Piers Morgan might use that one. That's more expensive, though. This is a real tragedy of a mind uh, lost to <laughs> the writing stuff of a James Bond movie. This is the kind of thinking that would have made great entertainment television, but also a great jail sentence. Yeah, well, luckily, hopefully, most of these guys are, are so stupid that they easily get caught. I mean, that is the that is the hope, but uh, it doesn't always work out that way. But, so, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely terrifying, isn't it? $150 to buy something to kill 300 people. <laughs> what are terrorists doing wasting their time with all these pots? I don't want to give terrorists <laughs> ideas, but Too late. come I on. I mean, all he needed to do to get away with it was not write bad poetry of, about it, and <laughs> he failed. And leave it around his house. In other crypto news now, there is now a Bitcoin hybrid with social media. It's called BitClout, and it's where imaginary money meets imaginary influence. Two things that have failed to properly enter the actual economy are now joining with one another so that you as an influencer can uh, pretend that you have value in society. Benjamin, you're an online viral sensation. How do you feel about monetizing your clout? I fully don't understand this story. I just don't get it. It's, it's a kind of money, you get more money the more popular you are. Is that the idea? Yes. I mean, that's that's exactly it. It sounds bad. But you don't get money for anything other than that. God. I mean, it's, it's a tale as old as time. That's that's always the way it's been. <laughs> it's just now it's done through social media. The more popular you are, the more money you get. That's that's just the way life is. The problematic thing about the BitClout website is that it has uh, given people BitClout non-consensually. So it's right. given uh, <laughs> fake people pretend money without their permission which is a new level, I think, of uh, tech bro bullshit. But if you think about it, all money is imaginary. Um, money is not a real thing. Money is a, is a concept that we all buy into. If, if tomorrow we all just went, no, nope, 
not going to accept that anymore, then it's a, it's worthless. So you could actually wipe out every billionaire in the world just by going, nope, that's not that's not a thing. We're not taking it. So money is absolutely imaginary. Absolutely, it's just a thing that's there that we it's a it's a dream that we've all bought into. And we could stop it tomorrow. I mean, if we're talking about wiping out every billionaire on earth, there's not that yeah. many of them. About $150 in cryptocurrency. <laughs> That's why they're getting all the money, so we can't afford to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to raffle it off. In more fake money for fake art news, uh, Sotheby's and Phillips have announced that they will be doing high-concept art auctions uh, for non-fungible tokens for digital art, uh, which is to say... Uh, the the idea of owning a thing that you can't really own, you can now buy from Sotheby's, which lends it some legitimacy. Um, Richard Herring, what art would you sell at Sotheby's? <laughs> oh, that's a good that's a that's a good question. Um, uh, I do a lot of art. My my art is all sort of performance art, but I think I could still possibly sell it. I I move stones around in a field to create. Um, care. No, I'm trying to build a wall that's visible from space, but I feel <laughs> I could. I could sell people the concept of owning part of the wall, I guess that would be. And then they own part. It's a, it's a work of art about the meaningless of human existence, how we're striving to do something and striving to be remembered. But ultimately, it's futile. I'm trying to clear a billion stones off a massive field. <laughs> I won't have time to do it. You could own a part of that experience. Uh, I suppose you do by listening to the podcast. You, you're participating in the artwork by listening to a man doing that. That's probably the greatest work of art there is so I don't know if I can make money out of that I would I would hope so I have to tell you this story is the first time I've felt like an old man in that I read this story <laughs> and I could not understand a f- <laughs> word <laughs> and I go what is this f-ing shit that people are talking about now it doesn't make sense and I suddenly thought oh god I'm old I really I don't I don't know what a non-fungible token is I don't know I don't understand how any of this works. So this is the wonderful thing about non-fungible tokens is a lot of people, uh, when confronted with the concept, feel like they're too stupid to fully understand it. But in fact, what they're doing is they're looking at the idea and thinking, well, my impression of this is too stupid to possibly be the real explanation. But in fact, (laughs) it really is. Sotheby's has partnered with an anonymous artist known as Pac on a collection of self-referential works. So non-fungible tokens, which we all hadn't heard about a month ago. We now have self-referential meta-commentary art going for millions of dollars. This, in this instance, it's called The Fungible. And the Fungible Open Editions invites collectors to n- buy any number of digital in- illustrations of the same cube spinning on a black background. A uh, single cube costs $500, and they are interchangeable like actual money, but importantly, they're not actual money. But, you know, but that's what that's what most art. Again, most <laughs> art in the real world is that it's oh look, there's some paint, there's some paint daubed on a bit of wood or a canvas that's worth six billion pounds for some reason. You know, so it's all nonsense. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and you know, it's it's just the next stage of that. Yeah, I mean, people have always been skeptical about modern art, which you know, and I don't want to sound like one of those people that's kind of is like it's all nonsense. Just give me a a fine painting of a lovely muscular horse but at least kind of um yeah damien hurst's had to like saw a sheep in half like at least they had to like get their jeans dirty to to get the money you know whereas this all just feels very kind of internet world and not real to me so i feel like the distinction that's worth making here is that um digital art is real art legitimate art some of it is beautiful sure you can still actually buy that from the artist right like a real purchase uh, what they have now monetized is an association on a blockchain with the original artwork. 
in a way that is sort of the equivalent of um, maybe uh, putting a, a tag of your name on the bottom corner of a Monet. <laughs> and then using it to buy chemical weapons, I think. Is that how they work? <laughs> and paying a million dollars for the privilege. Good luck to them all. Good luck to the, all the fun, fungible or non-fungible. Good luck to yeah. you both. And that brings us to the end of our show. We're flipping through the uh, classified ads at the back for sale a number of broken down donkeys and services which I cannot name on this child-friendly show. Uh, we're coming up towards the end. Benjamin Partridge, have you got any ads to stick in the end of the magazine? Yes, I, um, I've got my own podcast. It's called the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. It's um, a imagined industry podcast for the beef and dairy industries. Please listen. It's uh, good fun. Very good. Thank you. Please send your story suggestions to at Hello Garglers on Twitter. Richard Herring, have you got any ads to stick in? I guess I have. My podcast, Hello Stopper, is still going. And excitingly, we hopefully are going to be doing some live ones with an actual audience as well as a virtual audience at the Clapham Grand in May, June and July. So go to richardherring.com slash gigs and you can find out about those. And I'm aiming for some big guests. And we'll be back in a theatre and there'll be people there. Wow. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Something will go wrong. But no, it doesn't matter. It won't go wrong. It's going to be great. Thank you so much. Sunday the 25th of April, there will be a last post live show available on the internet. Go look at the Bugle Podcast website for that. I'm currently at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival performing my show every night. At 6pm, it is called Kronos. I will be streaming it live for my patrons next Friday the 16th of April. So if you're interested in seeing it but are not in Melbourne... Uh, you can sign up to my Patreon at patreon.com slash Alice Fraser. You've been listening to The Gargle. It is a Bugle podcast and Alice Fraser production. Your editor is the magnificent Ped Hunter. Your executive producer is Chris Skinner. I'll talk to you again next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com